0: Welcome to the broadcast at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. We invite you to join us here on this station each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We also invite you to join us in person at 11 a.m. The church is located at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, Georgia. Now join Pastor Les Fuller as he brings God's Word. Welcome. We appreciate everyone coming to the house of God today. I appreciate this great number as we... uh, uh, have already worshiped and had a great time with our choir. Sunday school is great, and God has just blessed us all in such a supernatural way. I have a few announcements that I want to leave with you, and then we're going to go uh, quickly into the Word of God. First off, I'd like to say choir practice tonight at 5, and service uh, will begin at 6. Uh, and that will uh, be having, we will be having Casey Garrett to come preach for us this evening. I know we'll really enjoy him. So please come back if you can. Wednesday night supper at 6.15, Bible study for the Foundations classes at 7. We had a great turnout for our first time back since summer break. And uh, I just want to tell our teenagers, many of them did come back this morning, how much I enjoyed working with you all last Wednesday night. And uh, we're, we're gonna, They've got a heads up on what we're doing today because uh, we talked about some of this uh, last Wednesday night. And a special announcement, also, we're going to be going up to Such-Is uh, such Camp. And this is a sneak peek for hopefully next year we can have our church family go up one uh, uh, weekend or something like that. We'll get, get the details finalized as uh, the year goes by. But we'll be going September the 29th through the 30th. And if you like to go and, and, and get in on this, you can come. We'll make sure that you have a spot but you need to see Shelley after the service today uh, to, to try to get your, uh, your spot taken uh, care of. So that's September 29th and 30th are the, the only dates, let me, let me say this, that's the only dates that we had available. And I know it's conflicting for some, but uh, that's the best we could do. Uh, we're not miracle workers, we're chicken farmers. All right. And then I want, to, I, I want you to, don't clap just yet, but I want you to clap in just a minute. Joyce Garman and Georgia both celebrated a birthday. Was it yesterday? Joyce turned 25, and uh, <laughs> thank the Lord for that. Then also another one. I know there's a lot of birthdays on our announcements, but these are very important. Miss Natalie Black turned 15. Turned 15. So watch out on the roads, and be very, very care- careful. Y'all give them a hand this morning. I'm very excited about today's message. And I know that sometimes what excites me may not excite you. I have uh, been a lover of, a, of history for a long time. I love what history we have of, of the church, of our Bible, and how that we have gotten to where that we are at. And I want you to pray for me that I'll have clarity of mind and clearness of speech this morning and be able to present this to you. Uh, in a manner and a way, not only that will help you, that will honor the Lord Jesus Christ. On any given Sunday here at Mount Gilead, I will preach from the Bible. And I'm going to do that today, but it's going to be uh, largely at the end of today's sermon because I want to tie some things in together historically as we talk about uh, the, not only the picture that's before us, but, but history. Uh, historical facts can be stubborn things. Some things that are historical are not very good for us to remember, but some things that are historical can be good for us to remember if we know what those facts truly are. And right now, in the world in which you and I live in, there is a group, uh, a party, a group of people going around, and their goal and objective is to rewrite history. That's very dangerous to give somebody that kind of power to write something that is close to the truth but is not true. So a half-truth is a whole lie in my book. And this morning I want to show you some things that ought to bless you as a Christian and as a child of God. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 1, verse number 1. I'm going to read this and we're going to talk about this picture that is before you. What does the Bible say? In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse number 1, and my class ought to be able to stand and quote this because we went through the first uh, 12 or 13 verses of John, chapter number 1. And By the way, this chapter, where I'm reading from you from today, is foundational for you as a believer. These are foundational because it shows us uh, it shows us who God is, how He does certain things, and why He has done it. But we can't get a good uh, clarity in our mind of God until we, until we can come to, uh, come to an understanding in general speaking now in verse number 1. So the Bible says this, In the beginning was the Word. If you can't get past that, You're not going to enjoy today's service in any way. And in fact, if you can't get past that in the beginning was the Word of God, then you're never going to be happy as an individual. I believe, and you should believe, not just because I believe it, but because the Bible says, I believe that in the beginning was God, Genesis 1.1. We go back to that, and we find our essence of beginning of who God is his plan for all the world taught to us, in, not only in John, but also presented to us in the, in, in the beginning of the book of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word. What do you have in your lap? It's the Word. It's the, it's the Bible, the Word of God. And before I go any further, I just want to tell God and tell you how thankful I am to have a copy of God's Word. And it was from the beginning. But now wait a minute. Some of you are thinking ahead and you're saying, But preacher, we didn't even get a Bible until King James allowed the English-speaking world to have a copy of the English Bible. Can I give you something out of the book of Psalms 119? And eighty nine. And what does that verse tell us? Here's a clue to the Word of God. And I hope you write this down because you're going to go home and study this, I hope. But the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. So that tells me as we piece the puzzle together, (coughs) as we piece the pieces of the puzzle together, that God's Word, God's Word has always been But we didn't always have a copy of God's written word, and that's what we're going to be getting into with this picture here in just a few minutes. Thy word is forever settled in heaven. I want to ask you a question now. Look up here and listen. I want to ask you a question. Which came first, the written word or the spoken word? You can't have a written word without the spoken word first. But there's even a, a beginning prior to that. It came from the mind of God. Before God spoke it and before it made it onto the copy of a piece of paper, it was in the mind of God. So what you have in your lap, in your, in your possession, if you own a Bible, you have the very thoughts, the very mind Now, let me ask you another question. Is God bound inside 66 books of the Bible? No. God is bigger than that. And we can see that God is far more advanced in his ways and thinking than what we have written in the Word of God. Prove it, preacher. How about just looking outside in creation? Now, God did not write down how that he created a tree He just gave it for us to look at. And if you look at it and really study it, it amazes us as as God created that. Let's go a step further. Let's look beyond the tree and let's look at the vastness of the trees, the mountains, and the landscape. And boy, you look at that and you'll be like I am. You just want to kick your shoes off because you know you're standing on holy ground. But we have the privilege of reading in containment the words of God, the thoughts of God, and it written down on paper so that you and I could know and always go back and and see what God accepts, what he does not accept, what he thinks about me, what he thinks about you, and how he builds nations, kingdoms. They come up, then they go. Uh, And God does all this, uh, and he gives us his word to prove his righteousness and deity to us. I love God this morning, and I love His Word. I love His, His holy, infallible, written Word. It's settled in heaven. Now, there's a lot of people that don't have it settled on the earth, but it's settled in heaven. And I want to show you something else before I get into this picture. you know that in the book of Revelation, the Bible speaks of books that will be opened at the judgment seat of Christ it is books that uh, and that is plural now that means there's other books but this is the only book that we have in our possession that God wrote but that does not mean that God is not writing other things and I believe that right now that God is God has got a, a book of life in heaven and it's a book The the only names that are in the book of life are those, Brother Tim, that are believers in Jesus Christ, and their name is written in that book of life. Now, I can't prove this, but I believe that God in his mind, in his greatness, that uh, that God may be writing down your life story in that book. When you stand before God, God may just as well do this. He may play back your life, And and it may be like that old show on TV that you say that this is your life. And he shows, us, he shows us everything that we were and everything that we did and, and our thoughts and why that we did the things that we did. And, and God plays back our life. And, then, and there's a book of life. And then we see that another book that we're going to be judged out of is the book you've got in your lap, the Word of God. And there's other books. And God right now is writing your story as you live. Somebody said, well, I don't feel... Too important but I will promise you if you've got breath in, in, in your body God's not through with you and he's writing the story of your life and some of you may not be coming up to par with what your life ought to be alright so i have just give you some a few facts about this verse number one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God now who is also shown in the Bible as being the word Jesus Christ. Good answer. Jesus Christ. In fact, Genesis 1 1 is in the beginning was God is 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 about Jesus Christ. In John 1 1, he is the Word. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And so when you're reading the Word of God, you're reading Jesus Christ. That's what you're reading. And this book is so powerful that it can change a man from the inside out. Can I just confess something for just a second? When I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I had such a hunger to read God's Word that I oftentimes would go and lock myself in a room and I would read things that I could not grasp nor understand. And I, if you could have been in my alone time with God, you would have heard some of the things that I said to God. I said, God, that don't make sense to me and I want you to show me what your word says." And I would read and see God didn't show me then, but he just kept giving me hunger. He wanted me to be hungry and I would be hungry for knowledge and wisdom in the Word of God. And as I've said many, many times from this pulpit, there is a book in the Bible that absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, saved my life, not only physically, but spiritually. What was that? It was the book of Psalms. And I don't care what you're going through, what you feel. If you're a grandparent having to raise your grandchildren, if you're a a young parent raising your own child, I don't care where you've been in life, you're going to find help in the Bible somewhere. It will help you. And I'm excited about God's Word, and you should be too. And I'm going to tell you something. We talk about revival. We can have revival corporately in our church. But I tell you, one of the greatest revivals that we can have is a revival of God's Word, of reading it, loving it, and enjoying the Word of God in our life. And I appreciate uh, the preachers that preach to me, not their thoughts, but preach the Word of God. I appreciate my Sunday school teachers. i into—I got to get into the picture, but you bear with me for just a minute. I appreciate my Sunday school teacher that took a Bible before me and said, this is what the Bible says, uh, this is what God means, and this is what God expects out of you. And Sunday school teacher, you've got an awesome responsibility. So why don't we read God's Word? Why don't we not study from God's Word like we should? All right, let's get down to business now. In the beginning was, was the word. But we hadn't always had a copy of God's word. Can I, can I throw this out at you? If you were sitting in the apostle Paul's day, and the Apostle Paul had been been spoken to through the Holy Spirit, and he went to write down the book of 1 and I'm just throwing this out, 1st and 2 Thessalonians. Alright? You're a member of of the Thessalonican church. You're sitting in that congregation, and it may not be Paul that's getting ready to preach. There's a pastor over that local assembly, and how would they have gotten the the words of Paul, which we know to be the words of God, how would they have gotten that? Well, the apostle Paul would have written that down on a piece of parchment paper or vellum and I'm going to show you in just a little bit what vellum paper actually is. But he would have written that down, they would have rolled it up into a scroll when the believers would have come together, and I'd like to think it would have been much like what we're doing today. They would have sung some hymns, they would have had prayer, prayer requests, so forth and so on. And then that preacher would have gotten up into, a, a, no doubt, a podium somewhere, and he would have taken that roll, and he would, have, he would have read to them the letter of Paul to the church at Thessalonica, and he would have been preaching the word of God in a role. Well, you know, through the advancement of time, it would have taken it would have taken men. Well, let's say that the church, the Hebrews would have needed uh, would have needed a copy of that. Well, let's just say uh, the Philippians they needed a copy of that, and they would have written it down, and they would have distributed, it. and in that distribution, and only God could have done this. In that distribution of those written words, the thoughts of God, those written words, there would have been no doubt somewhere somebody would have made a scribing error. They would have written a word maybe a little bit different because man had gotten involved. So you have to go back to the original to have the number one purest form and best word of God and what we witness right here today before us is God's very best for all of mankind in the world so we've got we've got now a scroll and how do we get from a scroll to a leather-bound Bible or a in in those days it would have been actually wood. They would have taken those pieces of paper and they would have bound those paper together and there would have been wood in some cases, if not leather, to make that big Bible that would have been probably about this thick. And if you look in this picture, you'll see that there is those books and they're about, uh, about eight inches thick. All right, let me, let me get into to this picture today. Before, before I say much more this morning, has, does, has anybody ever heard the name Johann Gutenberg Johann Gutenberg all right we got two people that's honest enough to raise their hand the rest of you have uh, uh, evidently have never heard of Johann Gutenberg well he was born in the year 1397 and anybody that knows anything about history those were the dark ages and by the architecture in this picture you can see that it would have been in in those Gothic style architecture buildings. Now listen, Johann Gutenberg was born in Mainz, M a i n z, Germany in 1397. And I, after studying this man's life, I don't think he even realized what he was doing in the in the in the well in, in what what privilege he had in in printing these Bibles, how it would shape and form the world. It is possible that God could take somebody without them having a full understanding of everything that they're doing, that God uh, would just use this individual as a pawn in his own chess game, if that's a good way of putting it. But Johann Gutenberg was born in a time when, uh, how, how else can I say it without ripping the, the Band-Aid off. It was a time of Nicolaitan rule. If you study the uh, the period of church history in the book of Revelation, you'll find that that was the time when the Catholic church was actually killing, maiming, destroying people's lives just to try to stop what Johann Gutenberg was called of God to do. There was a period of about, some say two, some say three, about four years of his life that he actually fled. He had this idea in his mind to create and build this press. He wanted to be able to get the Word of God into the hands of the people, but he had to flee for his life. And I'm going to show you what God does. If God is behind something, there is nobody, there is no spirit, there is no force in this planet. If God is working in it, they can stop what God wants to do and make come to pass. Nobody can stop it. Johann Gutenberg was the man that God chose to use to bring about, uh, giving the world a copy of God's Word. So he was born in, in Germany, 1397. Uh, And by the way, any work that Johann Gutenberg did, he he did not just write or put in publication the Bible. He did many other things, but uh, for the Bible, he would not. Now listen, this is important. You're never going to see in an original copy of Johann Gutenberg's work anywhere a copy of his name. You can't put your name on something you didn't write. Can I ask you a question? And if you're carrying a different version of Bible, you're not my enemy. I don't hate you. I love you. And in fact, I want you to keep coming to church. But why is it that in the NIV, the ESV, the RSV, and uh, the COVID and everything else, why is it that they've got a copyright on those Bibles? Some man is taking credit for what God has already said. And you can't do that. And the only Bible on the planet that we have that, that does not have a copyright on it is our King James Bible. Now let me straighten something out because somebody's going to come to me after church. And they're going to say, but preacher, didn't you know everything that was bad about King James? And, and this is, we still got 300 plus years to go before it gets to the English translation. They're going to say, but didn't you know how bad of a man he was? King James did not translate the Bible. He just allowed it to happen and funded the money for it to happen. And there were many translators involved in changing it from Greek or Latin Greek and uh, to make it into English, okay? So we've settled that, so let's go forward. So Johann Gutenberg, 1397, my East Germany, would not sign his name. And his, his, his greatest work of his life was, was, the, was printing the first 200 Bibles on the planet. And I want to jump down off the podium because I want you to see uh, some things that I've written down about about his shop. You've got your phone and you took a picture right now. Probably be a good time to pull it back up. I want you to notice, first of all, the dimensions of this room. In architecture, you cannot have anything uh, in that room to function or flow without the proper amount of space. Now, uh, as I said a while ago, this was Gothic architecture. If you look at the ceiling of this room, uh, there's timbers up there. And they look like to me they're probably about uh, anywhere from 18 inches, uh, probably no more than 20 inches on center. Uh, Stephen Reese will explain that to you after service. (laughs) So that means every one of these timbers were on about an 18-inch center from each one. So we can roughly say this room of this picture uh, is about 20 foot wide this way. We'll, we don't know this way because I can't see the other direction because of the view that we're looking at. But now, undoubtedly, there's another floor above this. He's, we know from this picture he's on the lowest level of this structure. How do you know that, preacher? Because we look down now and we can see the flagstone floor. That means that somebody that was a mason went in there and they laid these rocks and uh, uh, laid them in some kind of cement form. That floor would have been cold in Germany. Anybody know anything about the weather in Germany? And, um, you know, Germany's not the warmest climate on the planet. But it was from here that God let Johann Gutenberg began his work of years of printing the Bible. All right, let's look to the left. We see to the left of this picture, we see something that is so important. And as best that I can see, there is no other light coming into this room except through those two windows in these two rooms. That's it. I don't see a candle. I've looked everywhere. I look for a lamp. And if I've missed it, some of y'all help me, but I don't see any other light except for one other light form, and that is coming off the fire of this weird-shaped chimney that they've got to, to make the, the molds for the printing press. That's the only light that he had. So that, means, that tells me that he couldn't work but in the daytime. He, he didn't, he, he, there were thousands upon thousands of man hours that, would, that had gone into making this this uh, this shop to be what it was. Now, mind you, while he's doing this, he's in hiding. He's hiding his life, and he needs financial backers to back him to to be able to build this contraption right here, which is in fact the press itself. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But not only that, this was uh, on this side of the chimney, or the or the the spot where they're they he's. he's uh, melting down the different ores that have been mined to make the um, just a single letter. He would have he would have uh, had somebody have to build that and then if you look all the way over here to the left under that window he's got a storage spot which is nothing more than a shelf and broken up in divisions where that he would have uh, uh, put the uh, the press's letters or numbers in their individual spaces, so he could quickly run. Now, I'm going to say something here, and I'm not trying to be a heretic when I say this. I don't think, I don't think that this was a good layout for uh, convenience. What do you mean, preacher? I mean, it just seemed like to me you would have put those numbers and letters right next to the press, so you didn't have to walk back and forth across that room. But that's just me. I mean, I I try to do things simple. But then I got to thinking. He needed the light from that window to be able to go put in that press. And he had to know what he was getting. That was the only light that he had. So that was probably the reason there was the most light coming in that room. All right. Look on the walls of this picture. In behind those walls, I'm thinking because there's timbers above it, there's timber frame joinery inside of those walls. And there's two different ways they would have Taking THOSE WALLS I'M GETTING SOMEWHERE WITH THIS SO YOU HANG IN HERE WITH ME GIVE ME GIVE ME GIVE ME YOUR UNDIVIDED ATTENTION IN BEHIND THOSE WALLS THERE WOULD HAVE BEEN A TIMBER THAT WOULD HAVE BEEN HIDDEN BY EITHER BY ROCK AND THEY WOULD HAVE stuccoed THAT WITH CEMENT OR THEY WOULD HAVE PUT UH UH THEY WOULD HAVE PUT SOME KIND OF uh, EARTHEN MATERIAL uh, MOST LIKELY IT WOULD HAVE BEEN HAY AND THEY WOULD HAVE CEMENTED OVER THAT AND THAT WAS THE SEPARATION OF THOSE ROOMS now, one thing this picture does not show, and Zach Gerald's asked me this question this morning. How long did it take for Johann Gutenberg to make one, one Bible? The answer is nobody will ever know. And I'm going to tell you why. He made the first 200 Bibles at the same time. So let's get in our mind what's going on. Johann Gutenberg, is, he's in this room. He's got a fire going. He's got to work uh, to build this fire. He's got to get his, uh, the elements working together, which would have been lead and copper, that he would have melted down in those forms that he would have hand-carved out of wood. In other words, Johann Gutenberg wasn't a sissy. His hands were tough. His eye, And in fact, you read more about his life. He lost his sight at the end of his, at the end of his life because he just couldn't see anymore. He had, he had spent everything on the production of 200 Bibles. Now listen, he's in here working. He's getting the firewood up. He's he's got to get the ink made to go into the pages of the Word of God. Not only that, he's got to build, hand build uh, this uh, press itself. And I want you to notice, this is uh, the craftsmanship in this picture. He's got uh, mortise and tenon joints and everything. That means that they weren't fastening these together with nails. These were fastened with wood. Uh, and mortise centenary is is the highest mark and level of craftsmanship in the woodworking world, and Johann Gutenberg could do it. You have listened to Pastor Les Fuller at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. Please join us at 11 a.m. at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, or view our live stream on Facebook. May God bless you for listening. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.